0: If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be today, picking up in our abiding series, to walk in the light. I want to say thank you to Luke for giving me another opportunity to preach uh, today. He, his wife, and a team uh, of ours are in Boston serving a church up there, so please be praying for them uh, as they travel back. So far, it seems like they've had a a wonderful time. So what I'm going to do today as we look in 1 John, as we will read, we'll pray, and we will get started. So if you would, turn with me, 1 John 2. We're going to be in verses 15 through 17. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Begin with me in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray together. Father God, your word is true, it is living, it is active. It is sharper than any two edged sword. God, today, as a congregation, as we sit under this word, Lord, would it speak to us? Father, would you use your messenger? Lord, would it come to bear on our hearts so that we may live for you? It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So, the concept and the theme of love is something that is very, very distorted in today's day and age. There's a million definitions for what love actually is. And we say that we love all types of things. My favorite Ben and Jerry's ice cream is the Tonight Dough. It's a play on the Tonight Show. They do word play on all their ice creams. I love ice cream. We love each other, right, up to a certain point. Some of us would say, I love you, man, but not like that. We say we love all types of things, and we throw it out there, but this world is trying to get us to see love in a myriad of lights. We're being taught from a young age what love actually looks like. Disney seems to have all of that cornered. If you've watched any Disney movie in the last, I don't know, however long Disney's been here, we are being told what love actually is. We're being told that if you've got a frozen heart, The only way that you can thaw that frozen heart is by an act of true love. You know, I would even say that there's some gospel tie into that, right? But spoiler alert, the movie Frozen came out in 2013, and what happens is the act of true love actually comes from within, so that's what Disney believes. You've got it in you. You can thaw your own frozen heart. We see constantly that, you know... You're only loving me if you affirm exactly what I want. That's love, right? That's what love actually is. One of the great bands of your time exclaimed, I want to know what love is. I love the band Foreigner. Another great voice said what we, most of us were thinking, which is I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I also love meatloaf. Love. The truth is, is that love is misused and misunderstood because on this side of heaven, Satan is going to try to get us to have affection for anything other than the Father. And that's why John's writing to his audience. It makes me think of the book of James. When he's writing to a people in crisis, he's saying, listen, you guys are dispersed Everything seems like it is just flying in every different direction. In the book of James, he calls them to be doers of the word and not hearers only. But what's John calling them to? He's calling them to abide. That Greek word, meno. To remain. To last. To reside. And that is as hard of a choice in this passage... As it is for us today. So what is he saying? He's appealing to what they know to be true. He begins in 1 John 1 saying, listen, what I have seen, what I have experienced, what we have then conveyed to you, this truth, abide in that. You know, it's disputed as to who wrote 1 John. We know John wrote 2 John and 3 John. They they go close, but it's disputed as to who wrote 1 John. Most likely it was the John of the Gospels, the one whom Jesus loved. But we know this, and we can rest in this, too, because he's writing as a father, as a shepherd, as a voice of authority. And he's telling him, hold fast. Before verse 15, right before it, he addresses the generations of the church. He says, I'm writing to you little children, saying, hey, everybody in earshot, all of you under me, to the fathers, those that are seasoned in the faith, who've been doing this for a while, and those who are zealous, ready to charge hell with a water pistol, you young ones, listen, hold fast. Help and disciple, you young guys, keep the intensity because the war for your affections are going to rage until we all are in glory. And this is what leads him to pen the next couple of verses. I imagine, you know, it's also disputed in whether Paul Revere was actually on a horse or not. I don't think that story's worth anything if he wasn't riding a horse. I imagine the reins in his teeth, waving, shouting through it. The British are coming. This is, this is John sitting here saying, if you hear anything... If there's anything I want you to get, if we're going to abide, we need to hear these words. We abide in the light when we deny this world and we pursue God's will. That's what it looks like to abide in the light. So let's explore this truth. We're going to look at John's word in verse 15. It says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. In essence, he's saying the first thing I want you to see, which is this, world love denies the Father. And you may be thinking, duh, we know this to be true. Love the world, you're denying the Father. But is this even an issue? What's the war for affections that are playing out for his audience here in this day and time? He was probably a group of house churches not something like this where we all get to gather together and the whole community can see what we stand for. We get a little picture of that in verses 18 through 23. 18 and 19 say this, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that, th- that it is the last hour. Before we go on to 19, let's stop there. We, what a scary word. He's writing very specific here. First off, it's been about following Christ and abiding in the light. And then he gets specific, talking about an issue. And the issue that's taking place is that the Antichrists are here. Now, we can't mince this. We know that the Antichrist, in the book of First uh, and Second Thessalonians, that would be the lawless one. The one that is foretold, that is going to ultimately, in the end times, oppose who Jesus is. Right? That is capital A Antichrist. The beast in Revelation, the one that will fight against Christ. It's going to come to the earth. But that's not what he's talking about here. Look at 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So the boogeyman of the Antichrist that has come into this church, that have led him to say, verses 15, 16, and 17, isn't just this one singular thing off in the future. Apparently, that's what's happening as people are leaving the church. This Antichrist, to be anti-Jesus, to be anti-the things of God, apparently, that's welling up inside of the church. They're hemorrhaging people. And they're choosing something else. We see this in 2 Timothy 4.10. 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says, For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. A guy who walked with Paul, who met Jesus on the Damascus road, has deserted him. Why? Because he's in love with this present world. He was with Paul. How do you leave Paul? James 4 4 also gives us a picture of what it looked like as James was writing to his church in the dispersion. He was saying, Listen, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Is this an issue? It was an issue for them. There's there's Antichrist popping up within the church. They're deceiving people. They're leading people away. But that's extreme. This is written to these people because of our flesh. Not loving the world is a hard thing to do. And Satan knows how to appeal to sin nature. Does he not? The boogeyman is us. It's not an outside force. Why? Why? Because the world, its systems, the things that it brings, it's attractive. There is glory here if you want it. You get immediate validation right now. If you have sinful desires that you know the Spirit would convict of you in this room as you read the Word, I guarantee you there's another room that would celebrate you for it. Everybody's doing it. Believers are struggling with this. He's writing to these churches as people are leaving. Hear Paul's words in Romans 12 too. Paul knew it was an issue. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We often skip over the that by testing piece to know that this is going to be difficult. There's an attractive world. There's glory to be had on this side of heaven. You can get whatever you want. But it's not of the Father. World love is a danger for the people, but why? He explains further in verse 16. Let's look at verse 16 now. For the things of this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So know this, world love denies the Father and it produces a counterfeit pleasure. World love produces a counterfeit pleasure. You can replace pleasure with any type of positive emotion, happiness, joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. When we seek things from a fallen world that we know we can only get from God, it is going to be a counterfeit. Adam and Eve experienced that first. If you go to Genesis 3, we get to see the process of sin, which is laid out in verse 16. We get to see the process of sin displayed for us. The desires of the flesh. After the serpent said, did God really say? And the fruits in front of Eve. The desires of the flesh. She saw that it was good for food. The desires of the eyes. She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. And the pride of life, it was to make one wise, to make one like God. Is that not the process of sin? And Adam said, well, everybody's doing it. That was everybody at the time. They were meant to abide. Where were they? In the safest place ever created, in the most fulfilling, in the most happy, in the most joyous place ever created, they were meant to abide, remain, stay, dwell, reside. This is my place of residence, the only place they could be eternally safe, and it happened in the garden. So Satan's not going to put an information booth across the street from First Baptist Church that says, hey, explore other options. That's not how counterfeit works. I love how one commentator put it, no one's going to counterfeit a three dollar bill. Why? It doesn't exist. It's going to look this close to the real thing. Satan's going to bide his time. He's going to weave his way into this room through your bitterness, through your frustration with another brother or sister, through where you think the whole direction of all this should go. All of us are going to Deal with that. He's gonna chip away at your flesh. You know, you may be as strong as you could possibly be, but we all have weak, weak spots, do we not? That's what will be exploited. And if you don't know that to be true, if you don't see that that world love produces a counterfeit pleasure and this is a danger for us, I'd call to mind recent headlines in the last year. Whole ministries that have, been ser- that have served me as a growing believer, and I'm sure many of you, have crumbled because Satan wove his way and pre- presented a counterfeit gospel to what we would say some are the fathers of our faith. Man, what a warning this is to us. Look at Judas, a guy that would walk with Jesus. If that should tell us anything, it should tell us that physical proximity to the divine does not matter as much as where our heart is in orientation to the Father. The irony of Matthew 26, 25, after Jesus has addressed all the disciples and foretold that someone will betray him. And he gets to Judas and he says, is it I, Rabbi, not Lord because that's not who he was over his life. Let that not be us. In Paul Revere-type fashion, we need to stop loving the world and reside in who Christ is, because you're not going to find pleasure that lasts there. World love denies the Father, and in so doing, it produces a counterfeit pleasure. But John doesn't leave us there. Let's go on to verse 17. He gives us hope with something to do. Abiding love pursues the will of God. Look with me at verses 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The deceivers in verses 18 through 23 who are leading those away from the gospel, buying into something that is anti-Christ, living as if, Jesus is not the Messiah. When faced with loyalty to the Father and loyalty to the world, they chose wrong. Man, are we are we prone to choose wrong? How many of you in here have chosen wrong in the past? How many of us in here feel that even on the best day as a believer, man, we got up, we did our quiet time, I prayed through my prayer list, I worked with Meals on Wheels, I volunteered over at the Bassett Center. How many times, even on those days, is Satan just chipping away at the flesh? When we sin, we choose something that is going to pass away. I wonder how long it was before Esau was hungry again, after he had that bowl of red stew. So what does it look like to choose right? We keep getting this call to abide, to reside, to stay with Christ. But what does that mean? Jesus gives us a picture of that. One of the most beautiful word pictures and truths that I would I call you to just rest in this week in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Reside in me, rest in me, stay with me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is saying that choosing right, pursuing the will of God, and ultimately getting eternal life in him begins with what you do with his life His death and his resurrection. Look at verse 24 in chapter 2. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. What is that? What have we heard from the beginning? That God, in his infinite, glorious, sovereign will, spoke things ex nihilo out of nothing into existence. Why? For his glory. And it was perfect. And it was for our good. And he created man and woman to dwell with him, to reside in him, to have life in him and have it abundantly. But what happened? What have we heard from the beginning? That we fell. We chose wrong. Sin and death became a reality for God's creation. What was perfect was now marred. In our sin today, in your sin, for each one of you in here, if you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus, we sit without hope and under a just and righteous wrath for a holy God, a holy God cannot look Upon sin, But it didn't stay there, did it? What happened? God did something. He sent his son, his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to take a very necessary penalty for your sin. And he was the only person to be able to be the sacrifice that we could never be and could never give. And once and for all, a perfect and forever, love was established. He sent Jesus Jesus to pay the penalty for us. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. You think you want to run away? Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. You think you have doubts? Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. That is true love. So for believers in the room, those who put their faith And trust in Jesus. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. Cling to the vine. Leave this world and cleave to the true bride, to the true groom. Cling to the vine that gives you life. And for those of you in the room who have not done that, maybe you're waiting to clean yourself up. Maybe you're straddling the fence between world love and abiding love, God love. You can't have both. Those desires aren't magically going to change. What does Paul say? They're transformed for the renewal of your mind that by testing you may know what the will of God is. So today, trust Through faith and trust in Jesus, trust in the vine. Abide in the the vine. In order to pursue a new will, guys, you're going to need a new heart. We're going to have pastors and deacons today around. If you would like to speak about what it means to have a new heart. If you know someone that's questioning, ask a question on the way home today poke and prod and as Satan is chiseling away at our flesh let's chisel away at that heart as well let's expose it to the truth of the gospel today because there is no better day than today to abide in the vine where true life is found where true pleasure true joy is found and where it will be complete God doesn't give the counterfeit he gives the real thing Praise God, we have a hope and a future and something that's never going to pass away. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you once again for your word. And Lord, it would be a disservice today for us not to pray for those in the room that maybe have not given their faith to you, given their lives to you. God, many of us are wrestling Maybe we've believed in something that is counterfeit. Maybe we don't know what it means to have right desire, and we've never chosen right once in our life. God, would you expose those hearts to the balm that is your gospel? God, would you provide healing through your Son? And Lord, may we rejoice as a church in the truth that there is no safer place but to abide in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.